0: Well, hi, welcome to Viewfinders. I'm your host, Graham Dargy. Uh, Thanks for coming along. It's great to have you today. Um, I've got a great episode this week, which goes to some unexpected places that, frankly, I wasn't prepared for. I'll introduce my guest in a minute. Uh, but before we get to that, let's take a minute to check in. How have you been? Have you done much photography this week? Um, I'd love to see what you've been shooting. So please connect with me on Instagram, YouTube and Facebook and uh, drop me a message or a comment to let me know you've been listening to the show links are in the show notes for me uh, I haven't done much photography this week but I was checking out the virtual photography conference Uh, that's an online event run by former guests Audrey Woolard. some great content there and uh, I think you can still check that out if you want to learn a few new things and I'll put a link in the show notes Um, I've also had a great conversation this week Um, I spoke with Trevor Cole an Irish travel documentary photographer working in places like Chad and Papua New Guinea absolutely phenomenal photographer Uh, with some great stories so although i haven't really left home this week i kind of feel like i've traveled the world Uh, next week is the season finale which is going to be a brilliant episode that you must check out and uh, yes season two i'm well into recording that and that should come out in january i think sometime but keep your eyes peeled and i will let you know what's happening Uh, speaking of january i've spent some time planning my work for 2021 This week, um, lots of new things coming along from online masterclasses to tutorial videos, more podcasts, of course, and with the prospect of vaccines being rolled out, it's even looking possible that uh, landscape photography tours around Scotland might be back on the cards. So lots to look forward to. And uh, yeah, I'll keep you up to date with all of that in future episodes. Today, uh, my guest is John Clark, a headshot photographer from London. With over 35 years experience, John is, to me, probably the UK's best headshot photographer. Before photography, John was a professional musician and played amongst other things on the soundtrack to the James Bond movie Never Say Never Again. John used the money from that job to buy his first camera and his interest in photography took off from there. I was expecting to talk with John about casting headshots and for sure we do talk about that in detail. Uh, What I wasn't ready for was the mention of Penthouse Magazine page 3 and John's innovative and ingenious use of automation in his workflow. Uh, This is a great insight into the world of a really fun interesting guy with decades of experience who for me is the best at what he does. Um, I hope you enjoy this one, if you do then consider sharing it with a photography friend Subscribing on your favorite platform or even leaving a kind review if you feel inclined to do so. Uh, Your support is really appreciated and it does make a difference. Okay, here's my conversation with John Clark. Hi, John. Welcome to the podcast. How's things?
1: Well, uh, it's not so great at the moment because we're in a second lockdown here. Um, Mm. The first one wasn't too bad. I gave up photography completely until, um, until September when I started back um and uh, i got a load of decorating done and it was really quiet <laughs> I, was, I was i was actually sort of thinking perhaps i should i'm not going to come back you know i feel quite fancy retiring but uh no i got back to it in sept- sept- september but this second lockdown's hurt not for photography mm-hmm. i am still working but i can't play golf um, okay <laughs> i'm seriously miserable now
0: yeah we. i yeah. got some uh, quite a lot of gardening done i was like i wouldn't have done this amount of gardening in the next three years so that was quite good <laughs> painting the fence and everything but we had a local lockdown here in aberdeen like we were the first place to have a local lockdown yeah Even know like the regulations are different up here and um so it was about maybe three or four weeks after the main lockdown and it was only for two and a half weeks but it was way worse than the first lockdown it mm. just was like a kick in the guts maybe that's what you guys are experiencing yeah that's home. what we're thinking now
1: yeah yeah like so. you felt like you got over it in the first sort of six
0: months you went right okay now we're on a downward stretch off we go okay so um how about you introduce yourself and your photography tell us a little bit about the kind of work that you do well um i'm a headshot
1: photographer based in london and uh, specializing uh, in shooting actors uh, for for casting shots um i've been i turned to photography um, do you want to know a bit of history first, Graham?
0: Yeah, for sure. Let's yeah? go first.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, well, I, I, was, I was born and bred and trained as a musician. I was a professional musician. Mm. Um, Guildhall School of Music and Drama, quite posh, brass player, played with all the London orchestras and opera orchestras and things, having a wonderful time. Really did enjoy myself playing music. And then um, I didn't have a camera at, at this stage at all. I did A-level art, which I did photography, but I never owned my own camera. Um, I was doing a film session one day. Um, It was actually from one of the Bond films. And uh, back in them dim and distant days, we're talking sort of early 80s, um, used to get paid out in cash. So the whole orchestra would line up at the window and they would get get the money. And it was a lot of money back in them days. And uh, brass players being brass players. Uh, We had all this money in our pocket, so we went down to the pub and mm. uh, got absolutely hammered. Um, and I fell out of this pub and I fell into a camera shop called D&G Leisure Centres in Edgware Road. I'll never forget this, the yellow sign. And uh, uh, with the money that I had on me, I bought a camera, a Canon AE-1, uh, a 70-210s, to no, I didn't buy the, the, the lens at the time, and a box to put it in. And I woke up in the morning with this camera on the bed <laughs> with no money left in my pocket. And I'm going, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? So, um, so at the very beginning, you know, you take pictures of you know squirrels in the park and your girlfriend with not too many clothes on and stuff—all the things you start off doing, you know, when you when you've got a camera. Um, and then um, I was still, obviously, I wasn't—I hadn't started thinking professionally yet. Then I had a, a chance meeting with a mate of mine who had a little small design studio in Hackney, and uh, I was thinking, well, what do I like taking pictures of? And it looked like I loved taking pictures of heads. I'd enjoyed faces, um, and I thought, well, you know, I'm still a young, I was still quite a young lad there. Uh, let's take pictures of girls' faces, why not? So, um, I started doing a bit of practice doing beauty work in this little design studio and got some. I got a friend uh, of mine who's a, a makeup artist who I, who I still know and started approaching London model agencies, uh, to do some test work. And uh, to my absolute surprise, they started sending me girls. I mean, obviously, you couldn't charge at that, that at that stage. You know, you were basically doing it for practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually, um, I started shooting quite a lot of girls and started charging. And um, I was still working as a as a musician still, but I was still getting busier and busier. So um, we moved. I moved out of that little tiny studio and. Um, moved into a studio, a shared studio in, uh, in Clerkenwell Road. And uh, so I had my own desk and a phone and uh, you could hire the studio as and, as and when. Um, and then started shooting beauty uh, for most of the uh, advertising editorial model agencies out there in L- London that send me their girls. Um, and uh, I was very busy. I was probably shooting, oh, blimey, between five to seven beauty shots a day. Mm. With, hair, with hair and makeup, um, and uh, it was um, it was great fun. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I was working with girls, which was great fun for me. <laughs> um, um, but also, I, I never really found the I never really found the task very difficult. Um, you know, when you do, you know, as yourself as a photographer, you know what you're good at. You know, mm. and those and it's not. I mean, okay, you have to work at it. Now, obviously, you have to work at it, but. Um, it becomes like an extension of your, of your, of your mind and your and and your hands and the way that you use the camera and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So i, I never f- never found it particularly particularly diff- difficult. But then um, I was I was sitting next to the desk one day, and we're talking early well, sort of nineteen eighty six ish, 87, something like that. And I was still, I was still working as a as as a musician, and the phone goes, and I picked up the phone. I said, "Hello," he said, "Is Andy Johnson there?" I went, "No, Andy Johnson hasn't been on his phone for at least a year and a half." He said, um, "You're a photographer." I went, "Yeah, of course, yeah, I'm a photographer." He said, F- um, "Free Thursday." I went, "Yeah, all right, oh, yeah, I am free Thursday." What is it? He said, "Oh, it's nothing much, mate." He said, "It's for an audiovisual presentation. It's fronts of buildings in London. So, if you're free Thursday, you go go around shoot these buildings for this uh, audiovisual presentation, and um, uh, that's it." I went, "Yeah, I can do that." I said, uh, "How much?" Mm. <laughs> I had no idea at all how much to charge. And he went, "I'm sorry, mate." He said, "It's only worth two hundred and fifty quid for the day plus your mm. expenses." That following week, I was working with the London Symphony Orchestra, playing a piece called The Planets, of which I've got a very important s- solos in that, in that particular piece. In front of 3,000 people at the, at the festival hall, with a morning rehearsal and evening show at the top of my tree, the day rate was 70 quid. And this fella is apologising for two hundred and fifty pounds for the day. He doesn't even know I own a camera, whether let alone whether I could take a picture. Mm. So it was, it was at that point I thought, mm, okay, I think I'm going to have a real go at this as a as a professional photographer. Um, I still absolutely loved my music, but because of the instrument I was playing on, it, it was which has got a limited repertoire. I was never ever going to be super busy. Hmm. And I was never going to be employed by a, a, a symphony orchestra or anything, simply because of the, of the instrument that I was on. So I would have to supplement it with doing quite a bit of teaching. I was teaching at Guildhall at the time as, as well. So I thought, well, okay, this is my next career move. It might take me another five, six, seven years to do, to change over, but this is what I'm going to do. Hmm. So, and uh, that's it. And that's, I, I gave up, I gave up playing um, in 1990. I gave up teaching uh, in Ninety-four, mm-hmm. and have been a uh, been a full time photographer
0: since then. Uh, it's a great story. I, obviously, I'm curious to know what your instrument is. I've played the euphonium, uh, which is like a small tuba, and uh,
1: and also a, a, another strange hooter called the uh, the bass trumpet. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which is like cool. a trumpet, but it's just bigger and lower.
0: <laughs> cool. It's so it's really good. So, um, if you're doing soundtracks and things like that, like you say, you're really at the top of that field. So. Um, but that, in terms of being a musician, I guess there's quite limited opportunities for that kind of orchestral kind of music. Yeah, basically
1: the, euphon- the, the euphonium is a, is a brass band instrument that occasionally gets, gets used in, in, in orchestral pieces and so on. Um, and I didn't want to be a full-time uh, brass bander. I mean, I could have done, I could have gone up north and, and, and played, but uh, no, I didn't particularly fancy that at all.
0: So when you're watching James Bond, you can hear your bit in the soundtrack, or um, no?
1: Because we were probably drunk before we even started recording that. It was the um, it was the Sean Connery comeback one. I seem to remember. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was that one.
0: Yeah, we know all about Sean Connery up here, obviously. <laughs> obviously, yes. he's one of our heroes. God rest heroes, him. I know. <laughs> um, okay, so we're talking about sort of eighties into nineties, the time period that you've described. OK, let me try and just find the best way of coming at this, because you were talking about photographing uh, models. And we, when did that did that transition into casting headshots at some point or is there like a, a crossover there?
1: Yeah, it did. Um, I was um, say, very busy shooting beauty and I, I literally was testing all the time. Um, I didn't. Um, I didn't take the portfolio out. Very often around magazines, I wasn't particularly interested in that. Um, uh, and doing I shooting advertising, um, I wasn't good enough. I knew I wasn't good enough for that, um, so it was not an area I particularly wanted to get 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 into. And I was still I was shooting seven beauty shots a day, mm. so I didn't need to. Um, Penthouse picked me up, and uh, I shot some uh, glamour um, covers for them because I used to shoot all the page three girls as well apart mm-hmm. apart from Linda lasadi and uh, and Sam Fox I think I shot everyone and they come in and they they, they come in for their for, for their, uh, their their beauty shot, for the front of their model card and 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 the head sheet for the agency um, so <laughs> when um <laughs> uh, Penthouse in order to increase um, to increase circulation because then you were getting a little bit more porn coming in onto the internet and stuff like that and they they decided that um, they wanted to shoot the page some of the page three girls as sets for Penthouse right but the page three girls wouldn't trust the photographers that they were using just in case they they weren't allowed to show any of the bits downstairs and stuff like that. It was was only boobs. Um, So they only only trusted two photographers. One was Harry Ormisher who called himself Harry-O and one was me, who I called myself (laughs) um, Johnny-O. We had great fun shooting it. There was this this lovely story, right? This is the Docklands, right? Um, London Docklands, right at the very beginning. They were building it. And um, I was shooting this girl called Carrie Austin. Might have got the first name wrong. The last name was definitely Austin. Um, absolutely, absolute beauty. And we were six o'clock in the morning at the Docklands, down by one of the keys. I had a makeup artist, a hairdresser, me on a long lens, and her dressed in leather at, at about sort of 30 yards, 40 yards mm-hmm. away from me. Um, beautiful day and she was taking bits of her clothes off as i was 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 shooting anyway i get this tap on the shoulder (laughs) that looked up there's this little irish guy (laughs) peering over my shoulder and he said excuse me sir he said how long are you going to be here for and i went well, I don't know, probably about another 20 minutes. He says, good. He says, because I've got a cult load of Irish navvies around the corner there, and we're going to be erecting a crane here, and I'll never get the fuckers working if you're here. <laughs> <laughs> six o'clock in the morning, you couldn't make it up, could you? No. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I was, I say, doing all that, and then towards the uh, 1989, 1990, um, a recession hit the business. Um, and it affected um, advertising uh, uh, budgets in companies. So they weren't out um, um, doing advertising. Therefore, the models st- started to not doing so, so, so much work. Um, I was very busy in the first part of this because the models wanted to get their portfolios really up to scratch because there wasn't much work out there and they were all scrabbling around for what, what, what there was. But then um, it suddenly went quiet. I mean, it just... Like light, the lights turned off. So mm-hmm. from six to seven beauty shots a day to nothing. So that's around the year. That's around about eighty nine ninety. Okay. So I went. Oh dear. All right. I'll go away. So I went away for three months to try and get my golf handicap down. I came back. The phone was still not ringing. And uh, uh, by that time, I'd moved into a studio in in um, on the Isle of Dogs. And uh, I thought, hmm, okay. I need to change tack here. Um, who needs their head headshots done? Actors, they'll do. And a few years previous, um, I was lucky enough to photograph uh, Elizabeth Hurley and um Hugh Grant. Um mm. Liz was going out with Hugh at the time. Liz came over to, to see me because she knew a model that I'd taken pictures of and she needed shots for um for, for for, for acting, and uh, then you came over a couple of weeks later, and then her sister came over and, uh, lovely. So I thought, right, okay, let's uh, let's use them, because uh, let's use them on my publicity, obviously they're, 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 they're big time, which I did. Mm. And I sent them out, I sent the pictures out, because you did everything, obviously the internet was in its very early stages then, so everything went out as printed material. Um, I sent it out to 400 agents in London, and two got back to me, mm. <laughs> two. Wow. Um, and it started from there started taking pictures of actors.
0: So what was the style like in those days? Obviously, it must have been a completely different way of of lighting and shooting people. What, how would you describe that style in those days?
1: Um, well, go back one stage, right? I've always, when I would... My photography has never really been um, about art as such. You know, I'm not an artist. I'm more of like a service provider. And a half decent one, but it's, I, I, I don't really regard it as art. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm more interested in making a decent living out of it. So mm-hmm. the way that I saw, um, headshots for actors was that if I could turn over a lot of actors, then I turn over quite a few, quite, quite a lot of money. Mm-hmm. um, if I'm really busy as a photographer, I don't even have to do my own printing. I can get somebody in to do the printing for me because I would I would be doing all the darkroom work as well at that mm-hmm. time. So we um, at the beginning, I didn't really start shooting actors. I got into shooting f- film extras, um, and there's there was some very big agencies with lots and lots of clients in there. And that and and in those days, uh, unlike now, those days they used to get photographers to shoot their headshots. And a full-length mm-hmm. shot. Nowadays, it's done in, in in-house with the uh, uh, with those with those agencies. So um, I got myself in a position where I, I was shooting um, ten of these uh, film extras a day. They all required prints. Uh, nothing was done on the internet at the time, and they all rep- required repros. So they need twenty-five of this headshot, twenty-five of that head, headshot. So. Um, uh, I had to employ somebody in the dark room In fact I ended up with with three people in in my dark dark room just just on the repro side alone and which left left me uh, clear for um for shooting. I then got into um, because in those days all, all those extra agencies they all produce books with all their clients in. So I thought well, Perhaps I could, perhaps I could do that as well. Perhaps we could, you know, see if we could incorporate that. So, I bought myself a, a copy of Quark Express, which was the software you used back back in them days, and um, learned how to use that. Automated a few of the processes, and um, undercut some of the other um, um, uh, uh, printers, and uh, started producing books. It was very hard work for sure you know some of these books would run to 250 300 pages mm. with four or five actors on 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 the page mm. but um um it was uh, it, it was good fun while it lasted um i i then during that time um because i was looking for volume um i started shooting quite a lot of kids this is in in the in the early 90s and uh, um i got picked up by uh, Sylvia young theatre school which was the most famous theatre school in the country, mm-hmm. and um, got got in there to shoot all their full, full-timers, of which they had about 110. So I'd spend a week in there shoot, shooting all, all their kids, or well, three or four days in there shooting their kids. And they demanded lots of repros, and of course I could handle that because I had my own dark rooms and, uh, and so, so on. And from there, um, a year or two after that, uh, I got involved in a theatre school franchise called Stagecoach. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, Stagecoach had, I think, was about sixty franchises, and they had some truly awful pictures being taken at the time, um, and which they simply were not up to the standard of of the stuff that other agencies were producing. Obviously, including Sylvia Young, and uh, I came on board on that um, and had to. I, 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 was taking pictures uh, uh, I was doing some of the pictures but then I was having to employ other photographers to come and shoot the shoot the other schools when and we were still shooting on film at that time. Um, so uh, high volume um, yeah high volume photography I suppose you could call it at that point and with 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 the books as well. Um, it was tough it was hard work but uh, it was it was pretty lucrative back, back then. And then um, digital came along. Um, I was the uh, I was the first headshot photographer. So one of, one of the first photographers to start working digitally, apart from the sports boys, um, I started in uh, in nineteen ninety eight with a Canon D two thousand. I think um, it was uh, the sensor was fantastic. It was three megapixels. Mm. But it was just about good enough, just about good enough to shoot a headshot. It was like working with if you if you can if you've worked with film, Graham. It was like working with Tri-X at 800 ASA. Mm. Yeah, push to stop. Yeah. yeah, it was about that sort of grainy. So you could you could get away with it, you know, as and, a, yeah. as, as a print. Probably can cost you ten thousand pounds for the camera as well. It cost four and a half thousand quid for the first camera. Wow. Yeah, for that, for that body. And, uh, of course, um, I needed two. so,
0: <laughs> mm. but at least, at least my lenses fitted. Once you were in with the digital, no going back, right? Well, there, there wasn't any going back.
1: I mean, I, I then, uh, a couple of cheaper cameras, uh, came out and, um, I bought them for the boys that were shooting the stagecoach job and started developing automated workflows. Just at the end of this period, when I was doing books and the theater schools and stuff like that, um, it was pretty tiring. And I got to my studio one morning and I'd forgotten the door code to get in. I just couldn't remember it. And I remember standing there going, something's got to change now, I've, Mm -hmm. I've had enough of this. Um, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bin all the books because the, all the other printers were trying to undercut the prices, so you end up almost doing it for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing was just getting just too much. So I said, right, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go digital completely and I'm only going to shoot bona fide actors. I'm going to not, not shoot any of the uh, uh, the, the, fil- the film extras. And it was that point then uh, I was, if you like, fully digital. Mm. But back in them days, um There wasn't the databases, image databases and stuff out there. Um, And I I loved shooting digital. I really enjoyed it. It suited me because I could see what I was doing, which was fantastic. Um, But also, you know, you had all these pictures on a card. Well, what do you do with them? I just used to throw rolls of film at a darkroom and they'd sort all it out and send it out to the client. What Mm. do I do now? Mm. Um, And um, so I thought, well, computers are meant to... Uh, You're meant to make your life easier by automating stuff. And uh, I I had a little dig around and found um, a a scripting utility on the Mac called AppleScript, uh, which allowed you to uh, automate tasks. It allows you to share information between different programs and different applications, uh, which is um, what I was doing when I was processing images. So I thought, well, if i if if that's what I've got to do, then why can't I get AppleScript to do all this? Mm-hmm. So I started to I started to learn how to um, to write to, to write code and uh, or uh, scripting. Um, I'm, my brain doesn't work that way though. That's the trouble. And I think it took me six hours to create a folder on the desktop and call it John. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but um. Eventually got got my got my head around it, and uh, I'm still using um, much more modified processes, but I'm still using those today. And um, they also control um, all the big theatre school jobs as well. So my whole uh, my whole uh, workflow is automated from private clients. Uh, or if I've got four photographers in Manchester shooting three hundred kids, the, all the processes are automated. I'm just pressing buttons at the end of it. Okay. Um, so it doesn't matter, you know. It, it for me, the um, my business is scalable. So you can throw one client at me, that's fine. You can sh- you can throw five hundred
0: clients at me, that's fine as well. No problem. Everything mm. gets done. So um, just to dig into that, w- at what point does automation kick in when the image comes into the computer or what's happening there? Okay, let, let me let me walk you
1: through um, what I do and how, how I do. Uh, because by shooting just a, a, a normal client, it's the same basis as, as pretty much shooting all the big theater, theater schools and stuff. Um, I've always worked um, directly off the card right from the very beginning. So I don't bother to load things on hard drives as yet. So I shoot, I look at the stuff directly from the card. I use um, a piece of software which I've used forever, um, and I've just forgotten the name of it. (laughs) Photo Mechanic. Do you know Photo Mechanic? I know of it, yeah. I I don't know if I know exactly what it is. Okay. It was developed for American sports photographers right at the very beginning, back in 1997 or something like that, 96. It's the quickest browser you'll ever see. I mean, it's raw files and everything. Just put it in, it just goes ding, and they're up. So you don't waste any time with loading whatsoever. Um, I look at the I look at the pictures I've shot for that uh, uh, for the first twenty minutes of the session or fifteen minutes of the session. We have a look. Me and the client will have a look, and I choose pictures there and then to keep, and then I bin the other. So I don't keep the whole shoot. There's no need. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of repeats and stuff, eyes closed and and all that business. Um, so I will then. Um, Carry on shooting the client. We we'll do another couple of mini sessions like, like that until we have what's going to go on their contact sheet. Now that's on the card at the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. their um their name is already in a database, which I've I've created anyway, it's my own database. So I've got all their details in there: their 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 agent's name and their email addresses and so on. I put the card in. I put the card in the computer and I hit a button on the database. It takes the images off the card. Changes them to a JPEG because I I'd, I I'd, I'd use JPEGs. There's no point in using RAWs when when you did in, in this. Um, renames them with a, a a a little code which is the first two letters of their first name, the last two letters of their last name, plus a unique number that's in the database. So all the images are are incrementally named with that special uh, that, that uh, special name. So they they're all absolutely unique on the system. Mm-hmm. Um JPEGs are created, folder is created, uh, JPEGs are put inside that folder, inside an original files folder. That is then um, uh, uh, archived off into one of the external drives. Those images are looked at again, down, um, re-res down to 600 pixels and FTP'd up to my website along with a text file, which has got all the client's details in there. The, the, the client area is created on the website. Um, the contact sheet is created on the website. Uh, the client is e- emailed out with a direct link and so is the
0: agent. That's all done. That's mm. while I'm making a cup of tea. And then they get back to you with what, final print or I don't know if they will get a print now, do they? So no, it's, no, it's, it's, it's
1: all done on the retouching. So on, on my website, it's pretty straightforward. The, the contact sheet comes up, they tick boxes which ones they want, and then they hit the button if they need to pay any extra, they get, they get sent off to PayPal.
0: Mm-hmm. and then you'll sit and re- retouch those and send them back out again or yeah that's
1: all done on the workflow as well I, I get my hands dirty actually doing the retouching when they're imported in now to lightroom they used to be done in photoshop back in them days mm-hmm. um but yeah so i just press a few buttons and it's all uploaded to where it's meant meant to be and the client eventually gets it
0: uh, that's really interesting and i guess that just frees you up to do more shooting right i mean which oh, is yeah. where you're making money so that's yeah yeah that's sounds amazing as I said before you know
1: I, I was interested in the business of, of making money and I think if I could turn over more clients um, and uh, uh, through through automation when I was at my busiest just shooting actors which was uh, when I had I had a studio in Hackney um, which I sold about nine years ago um, this is where I work very differently from, from other headshot photographers I'd shoot four clients between nine o'clock and one o'clock mm. so they'd only have hour sessions. Uh, and then I'm finished. Mm. I don't I can't be bothered to shoot in the afternoon. I'm gonna go and play golf and then I'll do I'll do my own retouching. I never used a retoucher. I'll do my own retouching with a beer in the evening before before me dinner. So okay. it kept everything under one roof, kept all the costs down. Um, but the only way that I could do that, one, I'm I'm used to working quickly. So having shooting six beauty shots a day, you were working quickly. Um, but two, um, I didn't I didn't have to worry about processing any image files for the clients mm. and losing data and you know getting things lost because it was all automated you know i'd finish that client i'd put the card in i'd hit the button the next client would walk in
0: take the card out ready to shoot so that one hour time slot that you shoot with people that's that's tight to me i mean as an experienced guy i could you know you give me however long and i'll I'll probably get it done but um, if you're wanting to get two or three different looks for somebody that they're happy with can you talk me through your when you get the camera in the hand and the, the person comes in What's going on that just allows you to be so quick with that? Um, one, you got to be organised. So I would be using at any one
1: time three, four, five different setups, all of which are in, within a couple of uh, p- p- paces within each other. So you know, you might be a flash setup. There might be a tungsten setup. Back in them days, obviously it's LEDs now, and you have a daylight set setup. So you've got different different locations with different fields that will suit mm. certain clients better. You also have to have an eye, especially in, in, in casting shots, an eye of exactly what this client looks like, mm. because the the picture has to look like the client. Mm. Um, it's not as it is today, a social media shot, where it doesn't have to look like the client at all. Mm. Um, casting directors are getting very fed up with that, that style of picture. As beautiful as it is, don't get me wrong, I'm not having to go at the photographers for shooting it, um, but it, does, it simply doesn't look like the client. So. Um, you look at the client and you absolutely decide what they look like rather than what you would like them to look like. Mm-hmm. And then you put them in an environment where they're going to look their best mm-hmm. with their look, yeah? Um, I don't do much direction, if any. So I don't do a great deal of talking during mm-hmm. it. I do a lot of moving around, but I don't do a great deal of talk to, talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm constantly looking for the client's energy and hopefully hit the button just at that right time where mm-hmm. the energy feels feels good. So it doesn't take long to get a client around three or four different locations like like mm-hmm. that and get, get all the pictures that you need. Frankly, I can do it in 20 minutes. I don't even need the hour. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it in 20 minutes right now, in my lockdown pictures. Now, mm-hmm. I'm, the, 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 I'm not taking no more time than 20, 20 minutes and they're getting all the pictures that they, 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 they need. I'm not mm. saying this is the best way of working because every photographer has to work their own way. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, some people really like to take some time and do a lot of talking with the client and so on and so forth. I don't do all that stuff. Mm. I've, never, I've never really done that stuff. Um, and then there's, obviously there's certain clients that, that probably would love to have that, and, but they don't book me. Mm. <laughs> I think there's a, you know, even when they go on the website and have a look, there's it's very cut and dry it's very black and white you're getting your pictures done here i'm not going to sort of massage egos and stuff like that you know you come Mm -hmm. in here to get a casting shot done and hopefully i'm reasonably good at it and pretty experienced at it so you know what you're going to get and if we can get that done in 20 minutes 30 minutes then absolutely fine you've got the pictures you can use
0: yeah so um one thing i wanted to pick up on was um where you have to and it's you make a big point of this on your website as well that you have to get the picture to look like the person right yeah is there ever is this ever a sticking point where they think they look something else than they really look do you know what i mean well it is now yeah um
1: i mean back in the days um you know i was obviously using photoshop six years before any of the other headshot photographers were buying a digital camera so i was making people look absolutely drop-dead gorgeous it was working (laughs) back then (laughs) it was fine um but uh, no, the styles have changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, I'd like to think that I've had quite a lot to do with that uh, over the years. I was certainly the first one to turn colour, for instance, and yeah. uh, with little lights in the backgrounds and all that sort of business. I was doing that in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I'd like to think that I've I've moved sort of headshot photography along a bit. But now we've hit a point over the last sort of seven or eight years where um, there's the the selfie and the social media is uh, style has really kicked in um, and uh, it's not surprising some of those photographers want to shoot that and it's not surprising that the client actually wants that style of picture. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're finding or what I'm hearing now is that that picture is actually not very successful for your auditions mm-hmm. because it's not a casting shot anymore. Um, I'll, give, I'll give you an example because this happened very recently um when i started back uh in in september i got a whole bunch of actors booking from an agent i hadn't heard of and cut a long story short she follows me and has been following me on facebook for years because i shot her son when he was at sylvie young theater school for about five years and she obviously likes my pictures i had no idea she ran an agency anyway um these clients are coming in we had a little email convo uh, about the third week of, uh, of of September. And she said, thanks, John. Already three of the clients that I couldn't get an audition for for love and money are actually now auditioning. Mm. Fine. That's what the picture's there for. That's great. But even better was that her son then turned up. She wasn't representing him uh, for a while. He's got this picture, uh, which is absolutely fine. Te- technically, it's lovely, but he's just there staring at camera going, look at my blue eyes. i oh, so gorgeous. Mm. And he's a white, skinny little thing. You know, Mm. who sort of shine a bit odd. Um, So we photographed him on the, he hasn't had a single audition for a year and a half. We photographed him on the 30th of September. His picture went up in spotlight the following week. She emailed me back and said, John, thanks, not one, seven auditions. But because she's an agent, she went back through his past submissions list and resubmitted him for the same auditions that the other picture didn't get in him in, in mm. and there was nothing wrong with this picture don't get me wrong. you know it was fine it looked lovely but it just simply wasn't him and he wasn't really believable you know you see plenty of instagram pictures where you really do you really look that good mm. you really that handsome you know so um no that picture that so therefore you have to be for me completely honest with what the client looks like and if the client wants something else then frankly you say right well why don't you go to this other photographer yeah. because he'll shoot the style of picture that you want i'm not going to do
0: that so just in your uh in your talking you've answered a lot of the questions i've got on the side here so it's really uh-huh. interesting getting insight into how you do this i'm quite surprised to hear that uh, you're not chatty in the shoot because you're you're quite free-flowing you know and just i've just met you for the first time so um Is that a conscious decision then to to draw something else out of somebody or is it just like a time thing or you're just wanting to just get them in and out as efficiently as you can?
1: No, no, it's not a time thing. Um, Not at all. I find that um, the photographers out there that have got an acting background talk a lot about range and they do a lot of directing to their clients. Mm -hmm. I know this. And it's because that's what they're used to doing. You know, mm-hmm. they, they 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 like talking about range and yes, we're going to get you to look like this and get look like that and so on. Frankly, I've, you know, I've been doing the job 30 years. The vast majority of actors that I've taken a picture of have only got two looks. Some only mm-hmm. have got one, mm-hmm. you know, so and I'm not interested in trying to push a square peg into a round hole. Mm-hmm. I All I am, I'm looking at the client and what is the best picture for you? Not for me. You know, I'm not going to put my style on you and say, this is your. This is what you're meant to look like. You're meant to look really hard and mean and this, that, and the other, mm. if you don't, you know. So um, also, I find that if you give too much direction to an actor, um, and the, the vast majority of actors that will come into somebody like me won't be very experienced, certainly on film and TV, um, they go completely blank. They think they're doing all this sort of inner stuff going on in their head. And mm. it just come it comes up as it comes out as absolutely nothing. Mm. So though it's not been a conscious effort on me, I think the way that I work, and it might be just like I'm taking pictures of you, Graham, right? So I'm going, okay, look into camera here. Just turn your head a little bit right, turn a bit left. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna come down this side, fine. I'm doing that stuff, and then you, you can actually start if you're concentrating, you can start seeing the energy in their eyes. And mm. seeing where they're, they're where they're where, where they they're focusing their, their 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 energy the client actually thinks they're doing nothing mm-hmm. until they look at the contact sheet and they realize just sort of what variety they kind they're actually getting because they're doing all these incredible subtle changes with their um with 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 their eyes and their mouth and so on mm. and the but, angles that they're being shot at
0: but yeah you it seems to me then that your work is picking up on that because obviously yeah. you're experienced enough you've got the lighting setups maybe you've got them as you've described close by a few different setups that you can go to start to get a sense for which one is going to be the right look for which person mm-hmm. and i think you must be very observant and picking up on that just that moment and that that angle that's going to be the right look for that person would you say that's that's the work for you yeah i've always worked that way
1: um it was uh back in the day when it was um i was shooting beauty um it was uh pretty much of a, 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 I was always going to get always going to try and get a flirtatious look a bit of a sexy look going, going on there i hated these beauty shots where everything was just really plain and somebody's mm. just staring straight into camera um you know haven't i got almost beautiful symmetrical eyes and then we've got a gorgeous nose but not actually doing anything with it yeah so i yeah. i always wanted to get this reaction somehow out and um getting them to feel good about themselves and i just developed that into in, into shooting actors but you've got to be completely honest this is the this is the thing you yeah. have to be honest with the way somebody looks again i'm not massaging anybody's ego i'm just saying like okay i you you, you look like this and they'll turn around and go oh no i don't i look like this no you don't honestly you don't <laughs> honestly
0: this is what you look like and this is how you're going to be cast so um that is such a great insight into what you do, and um, thanks for sharing that. Let's take a dive into your camera bag, if that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. What do you pull out? You reach into the bag, what comes out? Camera and lens companies. Um, I've always used Canon. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I wouldn't even know how to use a Nikon. Um, the only <laughs> other camera I've used um, is a Fuji. Um, a, a, I bought a little Pro, and then I bought a T, a um, mirrorless one, which I used for a while. Mm-hmm. uh which was i absolutely adored the, the image quality was just fantastic mm-hmm. um but um it just wasn't a pro camera it just wasn't didn't feel right um mm-hmm. so i've always used canon um i've got right now i've got an eos r um mirrorless one um mm-hmm. which does everything for me literally does everything for me i've got completely lazy it's set up on auto ISO. It's set up um, on eye recognition, and it's set up on f4 with a 100 mil lens. Mm. And all I do is point it at the subject and just change the uh, uh, change the exposure a little, a little bit as
0: depending on the, the skin tones. And mm. uh, it pretty much nails it all the time. Mm. So um, how, how well it sounds like you're enjoying it. But I was just going to ask about the transition from uh, DSLR to the mirrorless camera. Mm. Easy for you? No problem? It, well it wasn't the go because originally i, I hired had the fuji okay. and
1: i was struggling with the fuji i was much happy with the, the the 5d mark iii as, and twos that, 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 that i've had um but i thought i've got to give it a go because this looks like the way cameras are going to go um but uh the within a couple of years th- this this lovely little fuji body started falling apart in my hands mm-hmm. literally bits were peeling off it and stuff um it was tricky to get the focus right and it was a bit slow so i was having to change the way that i worked mm. so i wasn't happy i, I, I you know I, I i did a lot with the camera and i tried to get used to it but it just didn't feel right and then i was uh, i went into london one day and i i, I, I just passed Park cameras and um I, I wasn't going into london to buy a camera at all and i went past the door and i went Eos are. Yeah, mirrorless let's have a look at that right and she, she said she, she, she gave it to me i said well just stick a lens on it for me So she, she put this 50 mil lens on and I, I said just look at me and i pointed it up to her face and hit the button it focused straight away and i went yeah okay i'll have this mm. <laughs> this looks like this is going to work for me and mm. um they've improved the uh, the firmware a bit over the over the past couple of years as well the eye recognition has got an awful lot better and uh yeah, it's absolutely
0: brilliant. I don't touch any controls at all apart from exposure converse- mm. compensation. Now, no, that's good. Um, and so, the hundred millimeter lens—what is that doing for you? Why that lens?
1: Um, because I need to social distance. <laughs> 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 um, the um, I've shot on the only lenses I've shot on are an eighty-five. 1.4 don't buy the 1.2 it's pointless you can't get enough in focus and it's far too expensive it's really heavy mm. um, that's another thing as well carrying cameras My, this right shoulder and RSI injuries that's mm. you know it's the, all this lot is in a pretty bad way
0: now that's the I think isn't it
1: no no it's not it's, camera, <laughs> it's, it's picking cameras up believe me um, uh, uh, the 100mm um, f4 2.8 2.8 sorry and a 70 to 210 mm-hmm. 2.8 those are the only lenses i've ever shot on
0: mm-hmm. and so does that 100 just have the right kind of look for you i know if, like for, for me when i put an 85 on to do a yeah. headshot it looks just looks amazing it looks right you know through the viewfinder
1: yeah i've shot I, i've spent um uh before i um because I've had to move the studio outside now for the for, for COVID regulations. Um, I was going to shoot. I've got a little studio at home I've had for the last nine years, and I was going to shoot there when I started back in September. But my my daughter's a, a senior scientist with AstraZeneca, and just read me the right action risk assessment. So okay. I had to rebuild <laughs> a studio outside. Um, um, the no, I for for about the past uh, seven years, I'd only shot on an eighty-five inside in in the in the studio here. Um, I haven't got I I don't have big things about lenses Mm providing they just providing it looks right and it's sharp Mm -hmm. and the color rendition is nice then you know I'm I'm not going to start breaking it down I'm not a gear mad person I mean Mm -hmm. I've got loads of gear but I don't sort of treat it in those in in, in, quite in those terms
0: Mm. Um, I'm just if if I'm happy then I'm happy you know So um you're you're working outdoors now or, or and your yeah. studio is outside like, talk us yeah. through your studio what's if uh, you've just rebuilt it how is it how is it looking was it in the house before or how it like? Well
1: yeah I know I was shooting on uh, I've got a large bedroom at home and uh, I could shoot on, day, on daylight with uh, and supplement that with um, with LEDs I invented this sort of background when I was in my original studio when I was shooting outside where I bent a, p- a piece of uh, plastic glass and sprayed it so I could have an inf- uh, what looked like infinity behind the client, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the background was only f- five or six foot away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it meant I could shoot in very confined spaces, but it, look- it would look very open. I mm-hmm. um, if you look at my... Um, if you look at my even my current pictures in Instagram, for instance, you'll see th- these are shot in a very confined area, but it doesn't look like it. Mm. Um, the, the studio is, itself is built around a, a wooden sort of gazebo thing that I've got in the garden, which is covered in thick plastic. Um, there's some there's a lot of black flags in there, which is the way that I create detail. I, I do a lot of subtractive lighting mm-hmm. rather than additive lighting, and uh, the background is um for the most part is this uh um uh, mirror plastic mirror, mirror that's been sprayed uh that's on wheels that i can move it around so it re- will reflect different parts of the garden and, and thus will change the background um uh, the feeling of the background and there's a couple of other sort of canvas type backgrounds that I'll, I'll i'll i might throw in as well so sorry there's three there's three leds in there as well
0: and so the the main lighting on your shots is it with led or No, it's daylight. It's daylight on the person's face and then the backlighting or or the LED. Well,
1: it's a bit of a mixture. There's there's daylight and an LED on the person's face as the main light, right? Sometimes I don't use the LED. If the light's a bit low, I might just pump the LED up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, There's two other LEDs behind the left ear and the right ear, um, which if you're looking at the Instagram, you can see. Mm -hmm. And then um, the background, I'll change it as and when.
0: It's just so interesting to hear you describe that because you would nobody would have come up with that. You know, it's just something that you've kind of found your way to, and that's now your your kind of way of doing it. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've I, I sort of invented it for myself when I had my studio in
1: Hackney. Um, mm-hmm. When I was shot outside, I sort of built this tunnel thing, um, and uh, the, the there was sort of reflective glass um, on the windows of the studio as well, which I was using as back backgrounds, and it just developed from there i know it's a pretty unique way of shooting
0: (laughs) yeah but it's it's incredibly effective and you know i'm sure someone could spend a lot of time and money on gear to try and replicate that and just you probably wouldn't be able to get it quite like it because of the the mix of different unique things you've got going on there so kudos i think that's really interesting very creative thank you so i was going to ask you about your kind of For me, there's, and we've probably just already done this really just a a moment ago, but there's sort of a signature shot that you have for me. There's a way that you shoot that just kind of sculpts the person's face and shows every angle.
1: Yeah, it's, um, as as I said, it's subtractive lighting. So um, the, the main light tends to be a soft daylight, but once you start using, now, now most other photographers then will have this uh, standard beauty lighting setup, but with mm-hmm. day, daylight, okay, so you've got a light just above your forehead at roughly 45 degrees-ish, and then you put a big reflector underneath it, There's you've got your standard beauty lights set up there, yeah? Um, what I do, I've got that, I've got the daylight hitting the head, I've got the, the reflector sometimes underneath, not all the time, but sometimes mm-hmm. underneath it, but then I throw throwing in a lot of black flags. And they can be pretty close into the in, into the head, okay. um, which cuts down the amount of light and starts giving some modelling and chiselling yeah.
0: around cheekbones and stuff, and gets that sense of uh, realism, if you like, from mm. the from the picture. So they can end up just being quite boxed in and quite a tight little spot there, between oh, yeah. the flags in the background and the the reflector and stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no more on the pictures that you're seeing now. There is no more than. Um, six feet between them and the background and there's no more than probably a foot and a half either side perhaps two foot either side of their head and that could get smaller and smaller depending on how much i'm cutting cut the lighting down
0: that's good to hear i used to have a studio for a couple of years and it was a really big space and i always ended up shooting these little, little <laughs> in these little boxes that i created like we we're just talking yeah. about and i thought maybe it's because i'm used to working in location and you know when you go in an office you may or may not know this. They always give you like a tiny, pokey little meeting room to work in, mm. and I thought I just had brought that with me into the studio, which was like ten meters by ten meters. And yeah. uh, but maybe that's just I was doing it right the whole time, anyway. Um, <laughs> okay, right. Quick fire round here. Um, you ready for this? Go on in. Okay, wide angle or telephoto? Telephoto. Hand or heart? Ooh, heart. Okay, I thought with all your thinking about automation, you might be head, but good to know. Uh, okay, Beatles or Rolling Stones? Beatles. Okay, what was the last great book, movie, series, or album you experienced? Oh, blimey, Snarky Puppy. Um, Trying
1: to remember the name. Ah, uh, I've forgotten the name of it. You got me there. <laughs> Is that the band or? That's the band, yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on, I'm going to find it because that's going to really annoy me. Um, we like it here.
0: Okay. <laughs> so what kind of what kind of thing is it?
1: Um, it's a. <sighs> group of, well, it started off as a group of session musicians in America, uh, run by a fellow called Michael League, who's a bass player, and then he's just added to this band. Loads and loads of different styles going on. Um, It's difficult to explain it, to be honest with you, but it just appeals to my musician's heart. Um, You know, I turned up to one of their live dates when they were over here at Hammersmith Odeon, and the age range um, of the audience was from 18 to 80. And I just saw loads of old orchestral musicians I would used to know back, back then, all in the audience, all just having to listen to these
0: boys because they're just off-the-chart players. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, Snarky Puppy. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, okay, would you use an expensive lens cloth or just the corner of your shirt? Uh, corner of my shirt. I'm, I'm with you. Um, not to say I don't have expensive lens cloths, <laughs> but they never find their way out of my pocket. Um, okay, what's a weird thing I could find in your camera bag or in your studio? weird
1: thing mm. oh um i've got any weird things everybody's got a weird thing <sighs> i use lots of strange stuff i mean that's just not related to camera gear at all mm. you know the, i mean the, the I, I i use this sort of um, uh, um this silver foil stuff that you use in building for, for reflectors for mm-hmm. instance um I'll bodge a bodger load of stuff, weird stuff, but not not, not nothing too weird. It's just d- different. Sorry, been boring
0: on that one. <laughs> no, I think that's pretty good if it's like um, insulation panel or something for a reflector. Yeah, things that, like that. that yeah. yeah, that's brilliant. But that just adds into your, the uniqueness of your look, doesn't it? Because nobody's going to re- really repeat that with a last light reflector
1: no it does give a different feel that's for sure
0: mm. yeah i mean obviously you know you be using tin
1: foil and other bits and pieces i've used all kinds of stuff mm. um in in the past i mean it's just whatever works really
0: mm. do you have a favorite photographer right now
1: ranking i absolutely admire mm. i think he's he's an incredibly hard worker mm. um and um he's an absolute natural he's got, a lot, he's- of res- got a lot of respect for that man
0: is a lot of different stuff that he can do, I think yeah. it's amazing. Are you yeah. which part of London are you from? I'm from East London. I'm reading David Bailey's book just now, and he's talking a lot about the East End and so on. Is that your neck of the woods? Or, yeah, it was my neck of the woods. You wouldn't recognize it now when I was a kid, it was a very, very different place. Mm. Was it kind of rough in those days?
1: Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, yeah. um, uh,
0: okay. Um, he's just got his biography out, so I'm just reading it. I was always a fan, right. anyway. Um, what's um one thing photography thing you bought you thought it was a good idea but you never used it
1: no i've used everything i've bought but perhaps not for very long Hmm. i bought one of these great big half moon reflectors Mm -hmm. which i thought would look fantastic and it sort of does but it does the same thing all the time so mm-hmm. i started covering it up with black sheets and stuff like that and just ended up with a small panel and now it's sitting on the
0: bed here
1: <laughs> <and> <laughs> not doing anything and about to go on ebay
0: <laughs> and uh uh what uh when do you feel at peace with the universe
1: when do i feel at peace with the universe actually when i'm when i'm listening to music
0: mm-hmm.
1: that bit a couple of beers in perhaps a couple of gins in listening to some music i am there do you shoot with music or no no i i mean i'll I'll have it on but i I mean i can't have it on in the garden unfortunately i would have it on in the studio but uh um i wouldn't fortunately the clients have not turned around oh can you put my music on please so i always play my
0: music (laughs) okay and so you're busy enough now that well maybe not right now with the way things are in england but um, since, well, since things it, was, it was strange
1: because I, saw, I thought well, perhaps I wouldn't come back, and um, I thought, well, yeah, perhaps I need some, I'm going to still hang on to the big theatre school jobs I do. I mean, I, I do some. You know, Pauline Quirk would shoot three and a half thousand kids Mm. in 10 workshops with sort of half a dozen photographers. I'll keep that on, but let's not do the private clients. And then I thought, well, perhaps I need some beer money. So I'm going to put a really silly deal out in in September and just see if anybody's looking at my Instagram. Mm. And I put this deal out and September got booked in six hours. So. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's nice to know that I'm still popular and people are still looking at me. Yeah. So I've extended Was well, not quite a silly deal, but I've extended it. It's, it's a fairly cheap deal for October and, uh, no, and November and December. Um, and that's been pretty well booked out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cheap deal. Uh, I know it's a cheap deal, but there again, um, you know, I'm not offering them cups of coffee and stuff. They're not necessarily in the best environments here. Um, i'm working very quickly so they're in and out this place in a half an hour i feel guilty charging them two three four hundred quid for mm. that but they're still getting all the pictures that they need and it mm. absolutely suits me in the way that i work mm. so um providing everybody's happy and they seem to be um then i'll carry on
0: doing that mm. thank you john i really appreciate your time and insight it's, i just think you're a really smart and creative uh, about the way you go about what you do and um I don't think everybody can, can do that. And I think all that wealth of experience you have pours into being able to do those short sessions that you do. And um, so it's a great insight. So thanks a lot for your time. Really appreciate your insight. Thanks for coming on.
1: Well, thanks very much for having me. I'm quite honoured, Grant. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I hope you took plenty away from that great episode. Uh, check out John's website and follow him on Instagram. All the links uh, and links to some of the other things we spoke about are in the show notes. Uh, you can connect with me on social media and at the viewfinders webpage where you can get my free ebook three steps to better photographs and loads of other photography tips take care enjoy your photography and i will see you out there